You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. So probably like you, I have truly been enjoying the sun this summer. We've had a round of good weather. It's been so fantastic to be outside more to see some people more, at least neighbors more. And uh, with that, um, Jamie and I have uh, altered our, our running somewhat as well. Now, it rained, you know, this last couple days, but for the most part, it's been sunny, and most days it's been really hot. And so we've quickly come to the conclusion after running later in the day, in the heat of the day, that that's just not the greatest idea. So we've been trying to get an earlier start on our running together. And because of that, because we've changed our routine a little bit, it, we've been able to see folks who we ordinarily don't get to see in our neighborhood. And usually we see a lot of neighbors who are out walking their dogs or running themselves or taking walks, whatever. But because we've changed our schedule a little bit, we're, we're seeing some different folks than we've seen before. And this last week, we had a really unique experience. I mean, most of the time when Jamie and I go on our runs, we, we'll, we'll see people, we'll say hi to them. Sometimes we stop and talk to them. Um, but for the most part, uh, we spend our time running. But this last week, we went out to run, and immediately we were stopped by some neighbors who asked us if we could come over to their home later that night and pray blessing for one of them who was starting a new job. Now, we, we think they know the Lord. They, they act like they know the Lord, and we see evidence of knowing the Lord in their lives, but, but we're not super sure about that. And so what a privilege to be able to go pray with these folks. So we should, said, sure, you know, we'll, we'll go do that. We'll be over later tonight. And then we ran a little further, and then another one of our neighbors who was out stopped us, and we began to talk together about some really difficult things that are going on in her life, and she knows that we're Jesus followers, that, that we're believers, and so we got to talk very candidly and very openly about that and to try to, to speak some, some encouragement um, into those things. And then we ran further, and we were stopped by a neighbor who happened to be driving by, who we know pretty well and who sees us out and about all the time, and they shared with us that their um, parent, one of their parents rather, is struggling with cancer right now and is, is probably going to die from it. You know, and we stopped and we prayed with them right there in the middle of the street and then ran on. And then not much longer later, another neighbor who's driving by stops and rolls down their window. And this is a guy who we don't know real well, but we used to be in an exercise class together at a, at a gym together. And uh, we were in that class for a number of years and would see this guy just every so often, didn't know him real well, but also saw him at some other things um, outside of the gym. Well, we hadn't seen him for over a year since long before COVID started this, this recent season we're in. And so he stopped and started talking to us. He remembered us by name, which was kind of surprising to us, but we had this conversation together and then, and then he moved on. And so Jamie and I were really grateful that we had a lot of discretionary time that day because it was one of the longest runs we've ever had because of the volume of people who we got to talk to and to, and to be with. But a common denominator we realized ran through all these conversations that we were able to have, mostly with folks who we see occasionally but, but don't know real well. And, and this was the common denominator. 
Jamie and I have lived in that neighborhood, our, our current neighborhood, for 15 years now, ever since we've been here on the east side and, and here at Grace. So there's longevity of relationship with exposure and time around these folks. But also, through time, in each of these relationships, it's been really clear that Jamie and I love the Lord, that we're Jesus followers, and that there's something different, something distinctive about us. And it's not that Jamie and I obviously are perfect or always have our act together or what have you, but we do love and know the Lord, and, and it shows in how we live our lives. And in this passage we're going to look at this morning, it talks very candidly and very directly and really very inspirationally and practically about what it means to live a distinctive life. And I hope you got to somehow take in Sean's wonderful sermon from last week, whether you saw that live or saw that via recording. It was a powerful introduction to this reality that we are called to live our lives distinctly and differently as Jesus followers. He took us through the Beatitudes, the blessings, and that's just some of the ways that we live a distinct life. But, but what does that really look like? Well, today we're going to go there once again. And in the coming weeks, Jesus is going to help us see in his teaching what it really means to live a distinctive life. What does it mean to partner with God in bringing his kingdom to this world that so desperately needs his hope, his healing, and his redemption? That's where we're going to go here this morning. So if you have a Bible or have your phone out, whatever, go to Matthew chapter 5 verses um, 13 through 16. And we're going to put it up here. And you'll be able to see it, and I would like to read it to you. So this is our passage for today. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But you are the light of the world. A town built on a, built on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I love this passage for a number of reasons. One of those reasons being that when I first became a Jesus follower, a portion of this passage is one of the first verses I ever memorized. But even in studying and praying through and thinking about this passage, the Holy Spirit reminded me of something that I've just never realized before. In all the years I've read this passage and known it and even memorized it. And it starts with this you in the opening verse. Now, if, if we were good Southerners, if we were in the South or from the South, and maybe some of you are, you know that when you're talking about a group of people, you don't say y'all, you say all y'all. And that's what this word means. It means all y'all. And we're so individualistic in our culture and we think so often about what this means just for me that what we're about to look at has implications not just for us as individuals but for us as a community. This is directed at us collectively, not just individually. And he is saying, you are the salt of the earth. And that's actually a phrase that we sometimes hear, right? We'll describe someone as, oh yeah, you know, they're a really great guy. He's, he's a real salt of the earth guy. Okay, but what, is that, what does that really mean? And I think to understand that and do business with that, we've got to spend just a little bit of time thinking about the reality of salt. 
I mean, what is it about salt that is being identified here? Well, for starters, salt is a preservative, right? In the ancient world, where there was no refrigeration, salt was absolutely essential. I mean, it was essentially white gold. If you had salt, you had something that was incredibly valuable, incredibly necessary. It was essential for everyday living. But we also know that, that salt flavors, right? Because the weather's been so good, I've been doing a lot of barbecuing. And I'll be doing more, <clears throat> excuse me, more barbecuing today. And recently, I made some corn on the cob. And, you know, you wrap it in foil and throw it on the barbecue. And then you pull it off and you smear butter on it and put salt on it. It is so good. But few of us would eat corn of the cob like that and say, wow, that's such great salt. Oh, that salt is just so fantastic. No, we'd say, man, that corn tastes so good because salt brings out the flavor of it. Salt makes it distinctive. But salt also is purifying. There's a purifying element to it, and it's used for that as well. In fact, in the ancient Near East, and especially around the Dead Sea, this is where a lot of folks who lived in the area got their salt. And five years ago, when Jamie and I had the privilege of going to Israel, we got to swim in the Dead Sea, and yes, the salinity of the water is so high that you literally do float in it. You can't sink. You float on top of the water. But here's another thing. The, the mud um, around the Dead Sea is loaded with salt, but all sorts of minerals. And you can see my first and probably my last ever mud pack in that photo. So we smeared this mud from the Dead Sea all over our face. And there's actually folks who package this stuff and sell it and make a lot of money with it. Because of the salt and the minerals in it, it's really good for your skin. And what folks would do in that area is they would boil the water and, you know, dehydrate it and get the, get the water and the moisture out of it in order to get at the salt. But the salt had impurities in it because of all these minerals. And so over time it would break down and it would be good for nothing other than really throwing on a path to coat a path that people would walk on. And that's what this is referencing here when it talks about salt being purifying. So with, with, with all that in mind, what, where are we going with this? Well, scholars have debated this. Has this been brought up because salt's a preservative or because it flavors or because it's a purifying agent? And I wonder if the answer isn't yes. And that the main point is salt is absolutely essential for, for everyday life. And so is being distinctive. Living distinctively for Jesus Christ. And what we have to understand before we part ways with this part of the passage is that this is not talking about salvation. When it says, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, throw it out. This isn't about salvation. And for those of you who are into theology and love, you know, theological words, this is about sanctification, not salvation. Meaning, this isn't about entering into right relationship with Jesus. This is about living out that relationship. Living distinctively for him because he's continuing to change you. To change your heart, change your motives, change your behavior, change your thinking. That's what this is talking about, is that it is possible to lose your distinctiveness as a Jesus follower if you don't remain in step with his Holy Spirit, if you don't remain in his word, if you don't listen to him, if you don't respond to his Holy Spirit and his work in your life. So let's continue on then with what this amazing passage talks about. What does it mean to live distinctively for Jesus? Well, again, we were reminded we are the light of the world. 
And this takes us back actually several weeks back to when Gabe was preaching. And remember, when Jesus appeared on the scene, when he appeared in the area of Galilee, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. It said the people living in that area have seen a great light. Jesus is light. But when we receive him into our lives as our Lord and Savior, then his light comes into us and we are light because he is light and living within us. And it brings forth this analogy now of this town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Many of you know that my dad was a construction superintendent, and so we moved all over the state. I've lived in literally every part of the state. And when I was a little kid in particular, we were living in the southern part of the state, down in the Medford area. And my dad's parents lived in eastern Oregon, where I have a lot of relatives. And so we would take a trip every so often from Medford to eastern Oregon, and it was a really long trip because we were driving the entire length of the state. It, you know, would take six six, six and a half hours, depending on when we left and what traffic was like and what have you. And oftentimes we'd leave late in the afternoon, so we would be making the final couple hours of that journey um, at night. And we would, you know, cut through the state over to the Bend-Prineville area, and then we'd start taking some really isolated highways and roads. And, you know, this is before MapQuest and iMaps and what have you, so, you know, you just, you had to go with what you knew, and that's how we knew how to get there. But it took us out in the boonies. And we'd drive a long time and not see anybody, just an occasional car passing by. And then we would come to these really sprawling, huge towns like Spray and Congdon. Not named after Daniel Congdon, our interim producer, just to set the record straight. But, you know, these little towns, right? Just really wide spots in the road. But every time we came to one of those towns... If we rounded the corner and they were up on a hill, you could see them from a long ways away. And we're talking, they're just a couple lights. That, that's it. But there was no hiding them. You could see them from a long distance. And that's this idea that's being called forth here in this passage. Is when Jesus' light is shining through us, it's unavoidable. You can't mistake it. Everyone should be able to see it. Again, because of how we're living our lives and the choices that we're making. Because you see, light illuminates and it also exposes. When Sean took us through the Beatitudes last week, those Beatitudes end with telling us we're blessed when people persecute us. When people say hurtful things about us because we're Jesus followers. Because we love him. Because we live in a world that does not like to have its darkness, its brokenness, its sin exposed. In fact, who of us really does? But the irony in that is the path to healing, the path to wholeness, is through the illuminating light of Jesus. It's counterintuitive. We want to hide our brokenness, hide our sin, when the very thing we need to do is to bring it out into the light of God's love so that it can be forgiven, so it can be called what it is, and then we can choose to be healed and move on from it. And that's tremendous hope for us. So let's bring some things to light and now bring some things into the light. There is so much swimming around in this passage for you and me to apply to our lives. And here's one of those that jumped out to me, and that is we have purpose. And my friends, I need to hear that 
often, especially in this season of COVID. And I would guess that the same is true for you too. COVID has thrown a wrench into a lot of things, has it not? It has altered all our lives. And yes, we've been talking about this and calling it what it is, you know, as we've all been journeying through this the last several months. But six months ago, did you ever think we would still be in this place? And honestly, I have my days where I am quite frustrated with, with how COVID has impacted my life and, and yours. You know, I'll get asked by many of these same neighbors who know I'm a pastor when Jamie and I are out running, so how are you doing? You know, how, what is this like for you? And I'm, I'm honest with them, and I tell them when I'm feeling it, I'm frustrated. You know, I, I am a frustrated extrovert and pastor. No one will shake my hand. No one will let me hug them. I don't get to see the people I love and shepherd and care for. And it's really frustrating to me at, at times. And as I was thinking about this and processing this, it, it sure seemed like the Holy Spirit, as I was preparing for this, this time together today, this week, as I'm reading this passage, said, you know, okay, have you, are you done with your pouting? Can, can we move on? Yes, this is what's going on. But Jay, you need some perspective. Your purpose hasn't changed. You see, my friends, the question isn't, do you have purpose? The real question for you and me is, are you living your purpose? Even in the midst of what's, what's going on, even in these circumstances where we are frustrated and it is difficult, and I'm not trying to make light of that, but this is so profoundly hopeful and necessary for you and I to do business with. You have purpose. And you actually have some incredibly unique opportunities right now. When I was growing up in the student ministry of my previous church, really, in reference to this passage, one of the values that they instilled in us as students is you have one shot at being a middle school or a high school student. And most days it was like, thank you, Jesus. I am someday going to be out of middle school. Thank you, Lord. I'm someday not going to be a high schooler. And on the harder days, that's how I thought about that. But what that was intended to be, and the times that it was processed by me and lived out by me the way it was intended, was this. No one is more effective at reaching a middle schooler than another middle schooler. I have one shot today to live for Jesus. I mean, the, the adults who were mentoring me and investing into my life through the volunteer student ministry staff, they could come on campus, they could talk about Jesus, and, you know, they could live for Jesus, but they wouldn't have near the impact that I would as a student to the other students in my life. And, and we have to embrace that reality. That despite the frustrations of COVID in this season we're in, God is creating for us opportunities that we may not get ever again. Parents, I want to speak to you and grandparents and those of you who are responsible for schooling your kids, that, that you're legitimately and understandably trying to do business with the reality that you're probably not going to be in class. Your kids are not probably going to be going to school. It's going to be, you know, watching online or it's going to be a lot of that falling on you as a parent or grandparent or guardian to invest in your kids. And you have this unique season, this unique opportunity to speak into your kids' lives and to spend time with your kids in a way that you probably wouldn't in a non-COVID season. So will you take advantage of that? Will, will, will you seize that opportunity? 
And my friends, this is not putting a happy face on difficult circumstances or pretending that things are easier than they are. This is remembering and centering ourselves on the reality that we have purpose. That no matter what's going on in your life, how difficult it is, how boring daily life is, how mundane it is, what what you're doing, whatever's coming your way, the reality is you and I have purpose. And that is significant and that is important and we have to remember that because we are called to live distinctly for the Lord. If you know the Lord, if you've received the Lord into your life, then he is constantly, continually making you into a new person, making you more like himself. And that is really distinctive in a culture that so desperately needs us to live distinctively. Let's think about this for just a moment. Let's take it for a test drive with what we heard last week with the Beatitudes. Meekness. We have to understand that when it says blessed are the meek, it is not saying blessed are the weak. Meekness is not weakness. It is an inner strength that comes from a humble, teachable attitude and spirit before the Lord. Meek people aren't weak people. They're distinctive people. They have a strength. They have a solidness. They have a foundation and a willingness to learn and grow and be taught that immediately stands out and jumps out to people around them. Or what about people who are merciful? Not taking a shot when you have the opportunity to with someone who has legitimately wronged you, but instead you choose to restrain yourself and to, and to not give them something they do deserve. And at its heart, that's really what mercy is, not getting something that you really do deserve. Or what about being a peacemaker? Rather than talking about people or repeating a hurt between people, how about talking to them? Or how about deliberately trying to reconcile broken and conflicted people and relationships? with the neighbor who asked Jamie and me to come over as she was going to be starting her new job and asked us to pray a blessing over her, that's exactly what we did. We walked through the Beatitudes and talked about what does this mean and what would it look like for an employee to live out this kind of life? Well, it'd be very, they'd be a very distinctive employee and they'd be a blessing to the people around them. So let's think about your life for a minute. When's the last time you deliberately chose not to take a shot at someone when they hurt or wronged you? When is the last time you deliberately chose to respond to something in humility with a willingness to learn and to be taught rather than being defensive or blaming or avoiding? Are you a peacemaker? In your family, are you known as the one who tries to reconcile, who doesn't repeat past hurts or or pass those along, but instead tries to, to bring reconciliation and peace? Not by pretending things are better or glossing over problems, but just not adding to them and, and promoting peace by, by trying to be a peacemaker. Those are all ways we live distinctively. But in doing so, we also shine our light to everyone. You know, and our example of this is Jesus. Who did Jesus spend time with? Everybody. 
He hung out with everybody, including people that religious people in particular said, you shouldn't be hanging out with people like that. Those are all the wrong people. But we're called to be a light to everyone. And I, again, want to think about this individually, but also collectively as, as a church family. You see, there's a reason in this verse it says, don't put your light under a bowl. Because we can have a tendency to do just that. We can be very deliberate and selective about who we choose to associate with and spend time with and invest our lives into. And isn't it interesting how COVID has forced a number of us to deepen our relationships with folks who we maybe ordinarily wouldn't hang out with or spend time with. Jamie and I have spent more time with neighbors than we ever have before. We're finding community in, in relationships that we've really never had the opportunity to do so before. And yes, because of that, our, our light is shining in people's lives who we ordinarily wouldn't have been able to spend time with. And that's what we're called to do, is, is to invest and spend time with, with people and to be deliberate about that and to not put our light under a bowl. So this is where this gets real practical real quick. Who are the unbelievers in your life? For those of you who do know the Lord and are watching and listening to this. When's the last time you prayed for them? When's the last time you spent time with them? How are you doing with loving them? You see, we're called to let our light shine to, to everybody. And that means we are deliberate and purposeful about that. And I just want to encourage you that collectively, no, again, we are not perfect, but we are deliberate and we are purposeful about letting our light shine. Let, let's start with Vacation Bible School. Uh, do you realize what Rhonda, Patrick, and our VBS leadership have pulled off? They have reimagined and re-engineered Vacation Bible School in a way that we've never done it before. In fact, most churches have not been able to do what we've been able to do simply because there have been too many obstacles and too many things to figure out. Uh, do you know how powerful it is that you as a church family have given the resources so that we can make Vacation Bible School available for free for whoever wants to take advantage of that. The gospel has gone out, gone out into neighborhoods through this form of at-home at Vacation Bible School in ways that we've never seen before. We've literally had people who have been visiting family who have been, or friends who are doing this stay-at-home VBS and they've taken the materials back to their states where they live and they're doing Vacation Bible School in, in places that don't have it at all. That the gospel has gone out in a way into our community that it never has before. Man, over 350 kids that we know have, have been exposed to the gospel once again. And, and the numbers, the demographics are incredibly encouraging. About a third of those kids are Grace families, but all the rest are from the community. Uh, many go to other churches, but many don't. So, we are making our light shine collectively through deliberately doing this stay-at-home VBS. And yes, there's a lot legitimately to celebrate because of that. But we're doing it in other ways. We had another food drive yesterday. Do you realize that on any given week, we're helping somewhere between 150 to 200 families from our community 
every week with the food that we're able to distribute. I mean, that is so meaningful and so impactful. And if that wasn't enough, then there's also, you know, grace helping grace, um, which is, you know, something that we've developed to connect people within our church family, not only with needs within another, but also to help with needs in our community. And, you know, there's so many stories that could be told, but a a story of a a single mom whose washer and dryer died and she didn't know what she was going to do. And through Grace Helping Grace, we were able to connect her to a family who were going to be parting ways with a good washer and dryer. And some of our crew actually went over and delivered it and installed it. And and now this need has been met. And there's a whole slew of stories like that that have happened over the last several months. It's exciting. It's compelling. It's significant. But I also want to use this opportunity to to cast some vision for you about where we're headed collectively as a church family. Man, more than ever, small groups are essential for us as a community. You know, we've talked about it and we've been very deliberate about it in, in the years that we've been together as a church family. But more than ever... We are working hard in the next couple of weeks and months to make small groups more accessible and more available to you because more than ever, we don't want you to be isolated. We want to connect you to meaningful community. And so be watching for that in the coming weeks. Be willing to open your home to host a group. Or if you're not in a group, seriously consider about getting into one. And we'll help broker that and make that happen. But we also realize we have a number of you who are watching this live right now or watching this as a recording in the future who are brand new to our church family. And we want to be very deliberate in helping you find community in this season here at Grace. So we're going to work very diligently in the coming weeks and months to make our discipleship, our one-on-one relationships, and yes, our small group relationships more available to you. But we also need to lean into how we um, invest into folks from all different seasons of life. In particular, we are uh, diligently searching for our next college young adults pastor because that's such an important demographic for our current and future life of the church. But we're trying to be very deliberate about, about that, about filling that role, about enfolding young marrieds. Comunidad, our um, Hispanic fellowship, we need to give Gabe and his crew more resources and, and more um, support because they continue to reach powerfully into our community. And I guess where I'm going this Going with this, my friends, is we have come to the realization that COVID's not going anywhere anytime soon. And therefore, to make our light shine, to continue to live distinctively as a church family, we're going to be changing some things very deliberately around here. In the coming weeks and months, we're going to be repositioning some of our staff and redefining some of their roles so that we can be more effective in trying to reach this community for Christ. Because, my friends, the hope of the gospel is a real hope And it is a hope that this world and this community so desperately needs. Jesus Christ changes lives and he gives hope. And because of that, we have purpose and we want to be very deliberate about that. And you know that I'm always on the lookout for stories that just highlight and illustrate the realities that we talk about together. And you may have seen this story as it came across the the news feed on USA Today earlier this week. It actually ran for a couple days. They don't usually do that with these kind of stories. But I think it's because this story was so powerful and so inspirational. Um, 
I've got a picture here that I'll show you on the screen as I, as I read this to you and as we talk about that. But the, the headline is, Inmates Rush From Selves to Save Deputies' Life. When Deputy Warren Hobbs lost consciousness on the job, three inmates at Georgia's Gwinnett County Jail rushed to save his life. And this was actually a video that was posted on USA Today. So they captured all this as it happened. But this deputy who is in this cell block and responsible for all these inmates begins to have a cardiac event. And just as he's about to lose consciousness, the inmates are yelling at him, let us out, let us out so we can help you, let us out. And so he actually does that. He hits the button for these three inmates and their doors open and they run out and it shows them running to this deputy. They begin to perform CPR. They're talking to over the intercom to whatever to, um, uh, to some of the other jail staff in another part of the facility. So they come in. But basically these inmates saved this deputy's life. And in interviewing him, they said, how could we not? How could we not save his life? And the deputy, when they were interviewing him as he was recovering in the hospital, he was saying, man, I just, I can't wait to get back to work and to be with those guys. Who talks like that? What deputy, what jailer wants to go back to his job so quickly because he loves it so much? Could it be because these men are all Jesus followers? I don't know that for sure. But this is what I do know. This illustrates the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for each one of us. Listen to this verse out of Romans chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. That passage will go on to say, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. The picture we see of that inmates with the deputy is an enemy, presumably, willing to put their life on the line for someone else. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's profound. And it's a picture of what God has done for each one of us. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come and we're going to respond in worship. And as we do so, this first song, we're going to be singing about and asking God, really this is a prayer, to create in us a passion, to shine his light, to love other people, to love the way we have been loved. So as we sing these words, or as we think about these words, would you make these a prayer? Because you have purpose. God has reached into your life with his love and now he asks you and me to follow him, to live distinctly for him and to shine that light for others to see. So let's sing this song and do that together. And he is our foundation. He is the one who we truly want to build our lives upon. And maybe you haven't done that or maybe you're wrestling with that. We would love to help you do that because the way you enter into God's kingdom is by allowing Jesus Christ to enter into you. And you do that by receiving him into your life as your Lord and Savior. So we're gonna put on the screen there a graphic that shows you how you can connect to our Zoom prayer room.
And if you're watching this even now or even at a future time as a recording, if you go to our website, gracecc.net, in the footer at the bottom, there's a link for prayer. You can click on that. And we would love to be able to pray with you about anything and at any point. Because my friends, God's word has reminded us this morning, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand where it can shine and give light to everyone in the room in the same way. Let your light shine before people that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So now go into the rest of the day and the rest of your week and live distinctly for him. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.